0: This is just what heaven means to me. There's a special scripture in Psalms 103 in verse number 7 that said he made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. There is a difference between knowing the ways of God and the acts of God. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you just come tonight looking for a miracle, you got the wrong thing in mind. But if you come looking for the miracle maker, you're on target. Because when you find the miracle maker, miracles just happen. The people that knew the ways of God, the Red Sea opening up, they walked across on dry ground. Water out of a rock, manna from heaven, their shoes never wore out a cloud to keep the sun off of them in the daytime. That's the group that built the golden calf. <laughs> but the man that knew the ways of God was the dude sitting under God's hand when he passed by and God let him look on the backside of a God, the creator of the universe. I want to know him. I want to know him. The power of his resurrection. Wow. Wow. My, you're the sweetness of God's presence here today. Just had a great day. Went out and eat with a pastor and some from the church. And I ate like a six-foot man. (laughs) I, I really did, and I'm still feeling it now. But anyway, had a good time doing that. Came back and then spent the rest of the evening here in the church just praying and talking to God about this service tonight. I I wanna deal with a subject that I think is very important that we understand something, how to serve a jealous God. God is a jealous God. But how can you serve a jealous God? What's that all about? If you have your Bibles and like to read with me tonight, turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter number four and verse number 20. Deuteronomy chapter four and verse number 20. I hope, or 24 rather, Deuteronomy 4, verse 24. I hope I gave Caleb the scriptures I'll stay with tonight. All right, we kind of deviated this morning, but in Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and verse number 24, would you honor the reading of the scripture by standing tonight? Not a long scripture, just a very short scripture, but it says so much to us. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse number 24. He said, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Wow. God even brags about the fact that he is jealous. I can't tell you how many times through the years of time I have slammed my Bible shut and made this statement, God, I don't get it. I don't get it. How can you be jealous and you tell us not to be? What is the deal there? What is going on when he said, I'm a jealous God? The Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Well, he couldn't be God without being a jealous God. But how does that work in our favor? What is it about God being jealous works for us? Well, we're going to talk about that tonight Right now, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being back tonight in the house of God. I pray that you'd move powerfully in this place tonight. I'm praying, God, that we'll move a little deeper, a little closer, a little bit richer in the blessings of your love. I pray tonight that you would speak to the inside, the depth of us that hasn't been touched in a long time. Or maybe those here tonight that it's never been touched, touch that part of us that just needs touch tonight. Help us to learn more about your grace, your power, your will, and may we understand the influence of your glory and your presence. Give us a great altar service, I pray, in Jesus' name, and we thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God. You may be seated tonight. We're talking to you about the jealousy are God being a jealous God. If you'll notice through the scripture, you'll find this statement made all the way through the word of God that God won't even share his glory with us. He said, to God be all the glory, great things he has done. God is a jealous God. Always remember that. Which means that he has to have All of us, not a piece of us, not a part of us, but in order for God to move, God has to have all of us. We need to understand that from the scripture tonight that God has to have all of us. I want you to turn with me now to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number three. Verse number three. Now this is the chapter that houses the 10 commandments that God had given Moses. And here is the first commandment. Exodus 20 and verse number three. He said, thou shall have no other gods before me. Wow, what a statement there. Notice that gods there is plural. It's a small G, but it's got an S on it. Thou shall have no other gods before me. Even the God of glory recognizes they are other gods. What is other gods? Here's what other gods is. Anything that is worshiped is a god. It can be your job, it can be your home, it could be your car, it could be a lot of things. You can make a a God out of about anything that that you can possibly dream of. You can make a God out of anything. I tell this story, but it's a a true story. When I pastored a church one time, I had a family in the church, and they fought like cats and dogs. And I mean not just fuss, and and she leave and go to mama's. I'm telling you, they duke it out. (laughs) She could throw a lick just like her husband could because I caught one of them one time. I had to preach with a black eye because I was trying to bust them up shake him up and get them apart. He, he'd call me and say, preacher, you better get down here. I'm going to kill her. I am going to kill her. So I'd go down there and break them up. They'd break everything in the house and it'd be out by the road for the garbage to pick it up and This went on and went on and went on and I'd been down there on Thursday and I'd broke up their fight and Sunday morning I was walking from the house over to the church to turn the lights on and to set the air and you know the highways beside me here and somebody honked behind me I just threw my hand up and I waved great big and as they went by they had this real nice boat and they were going to the lake or the river, I didn't ask And, and I've got a black eye from the fight. Th- Thursday And they're headed to the river and it's Sunday morning. I'm telling you, that scalded me. It scalded me. I thought I was going to have to call a visiting preacher that morning because I wasn't fit to preach. I'm telling you, I just literally got mad all over. And so that went by. We had Sunday morning service and Sunday night service. And Monday he called me and he said, Preacher, you better get down here. I'm going to kill her. And I said, go ahead, go ahead kill her. Maybe both of you get it done at the same time. You'll rid this community of a great menace. Go ahead and kill her. And he said, well, what do you expect me to do? He should have never said that. And I said, here's what you need to do, son. Crawl over in that boat and crawl back there in front of that Rude motor and just pour your heart out to it. I mean pour your heart out to it. He said, that won't do a bit of good. I said, no, it won't. But you've made that your God. If I had a marriage like you, God, I'd be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I said, I'd be there whether they were church or not, just seeking God, and I just hung the phone up. I mean, just hung it up. I still got a black eye, I'm telling you. I'm remembering that and that horn honk headed to the lake on Sunday morning. Well, it's not a sin to have a boat, understand that. But you can make a God out of anything. Anything you put between you and God, that thing is a God. Understand that. There are many gods, and I think you understand that well enough. I don't have to belabor that thought any longer. But I want to show you something. Now, now Caleb, I'll come back to Exodus 20 in just a moment of time. But go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5. Remember Exodus 20 and three, thou shall have no uh, other gods. But look at Ephesians chapter four and verse number five. Now watch this, look at the difference. He said, they're just one Lord one faith and one baptism. Many gods, Exodus said, but they're just one Lord. What is the difference? Lord shows ownership. Lord shows ownership. The landlord owns the property you live on. You can't add a room to his house and send him a bill for $100,000. That's just not how this thing works. You have to get permission from the landlord to do anything to the property that you have. Understand that. So Ephesians said they're just one Lord. There's a lot of people in the church world that know him as God, but they don't know him as Lord God. There's a world of difference when you make him Lord of your life. When you put him on the front burner of your soul, he is everything to you. Can I tell you? He'll either be Lord of all or he won't be Lord at all. You know Uh, There's a lot of people that know him as God That's your eastern Christmas bunch right there But they don't know him as Lord God When you make him Lord of your life You're putting him on the throne of your heart Saying God you're calling the shots Whatever you say, I'm going to do. Whatever you deal with me about, that's the plan I am going to follow. Now, I'm coming to a point here in a moment of time because I want you to see something very powerful. He is a God that is a jealous God. You can't come to an altar prayer and give him a piece of your soul. You can't come to an altar prayer and say, "I'll give you this part this year, and then I'll give you the rest of me next year." That's not how it works. When you let Jesus be Lord of your life, you either accept him wholeheartedly, or he's not Lord in your life at all. You understand that? Don't be deceived by that thought. He. is a jealous God. Now, Caleb, go back to Exodus 20 and verse number five. Exodus chapter 20 and verse five. Remember, I was in Exodus a while ago, read verse three. Thou shall have no other gods before me. But look at verse five. He's still talking about having gods, plural, before him. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for the Lord thy God am a jealous God. Wow. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to what? The third and the fourth generation. He says it again. I am a jealous God. You can't just give him a part of your life. He's got to have all of your life. And I'm fearful, pastor, that the church world has fallen to this disgrace here. I I'll just come to church and be what I want to be. No, listen to me. If we're going to make heaven, if we're going to live with him through eternity, we have to make him Lord of our life. We have to put him on the throne of our soul. God laid it out like that so we would give him our all. Now if you will, Caleb, go back to Genesis 1 and verse 26. Now I read this verse of scripture this morning. You preachers that are here, you can preach six to ten messages out of this one verse of scripture right here. Remember this morning I talked about the dominion and the, the image and the likeness. Let me show you another part of this verse of scripture. Genesis 1 and verse 26, and God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl there, the cattle over all the earth, creeping things that creepeth upon the earth. God said, Let us make man. The word man in the Hebrew there is the word humus. It's where we get our English word human from. So let's read it like this. Let us make human or let us make humus as it was spoken of in the Hebrew. The word humus means a dirt body with a spirit living in it a dirt body, that's what the word man means, a dirt body with a spirit living in it. Look what he said. And let a dirt body with a spirit living in it have dominion on this earth. Fish of the sea, the fowl of there, the cattle over all the earth, creeping things that creep up on the earth. Only thing that's got rights and dominions on this earth is a dirt body with a spirit living in it. All right, Caleb, go to Genesis 2, verse number 19. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 19. Now watch this, and look at what he said. Genesis 2, we're talking about a dirt body with a spirit living in it. Now watch this. The Bible said, and out of the ground, the Lord God done what? formed every beast of the field and fowl of the air. The animals have a dirt body with a spirit living in them. That's all that's got rights and privileges on this earth. That's the reason Jesus came from heaven to this earth in a dirt body so he could die on the cross of Calvary. Only God gave the right as a dirt body with a spirit living in it. Let me show you something important to know. That's the reason why Satan possessed a serpent. He possessed a serpent, why? Because he is a spirit being, he had no rights and privileges on this earth, so he possessed something that God had created out of the dust of the ground in order to enter into the Garden of Eden. Caleb, go to Genesis three, verse number one. Genesis chapter three, verse number one. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. Look at this. Which the Lord had made and he said to the woman, he said, you shall, as God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Wow. He possessed something that had a dirt body with a spirit living in it. What am I saying? Listen to me. God even restricted himself. He will not force himself on anybody. God has to be invited into your life. You're not born saved. You're born innocent. You, you, As you grow in this life, then you become guilty of the sin and by your own point, by your own reconnaissance, by your own choice, you accept him as Lord and Savior of your life and let Jesus live in your heart and your life. How do you do that? Confess him with your mouth, believing in your heart. Confess him with your mouth, believing in your heart. That's the formula that it takes because the change is made from the inside out. The devil works from the outside in. He throws a thought out there. You catch that thought? But God works from the inside out. I, I like that. I I really like that. So God has set it up. He has set it up for you and I to understand that He even limited Himself when it comes down to mankind. God has the ability to know and not to know. Do you understand that? I Oh, I'm about to preach something I know is gonna raise an eyebrow and I'm gonna to have to prove it by the scripture. So you hang with me tonight. Let me see. If I can find this real quick, well, let me give you my statement, then we'll look these scriptures up where you can get a, get them wrapped around them tonight. Do you understand that in the sovereignty of God, God has the ability to know and not to know? I know you'll hear testimonies and people make this say, God knows everything. God is all knowing, but He chooses not to know some things. If you believe God knows everything, You've got to believe in predestination. Predestination is this. God put some people on this earth for the sole purpose of going to hell. Well, that's not what the scripture said. Whosoever will, let them come and drink of the water of life freely. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So in God's sovereignty, he has the ability to know and not to know. Caleb, I'm not sure. Sure. If I gave you this or not? Let me look here. Yeah, I did. Down at the bottom, Genesis 22 and verse number 12. (laughs) This was an afterthought this afternoon. of, Of look at this, Genesis 22 and verse number 12. This is when God had spoken to Abraham. You take Isaac to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice there on the altar, Abraham took Isaac. He had settled in his mind three days before that Isaac was as good as dead. He brought him. Isaac helped him build the altar. Isaac even carried the wood on his back up the hill to lay it on the altar sacrifice. Then Isaac said to dad, he said, dad, we got an altar here. Man, you've done a good job, fella. Make him this altar. We got the wood, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. But look what happened. He put Isaac on the altar. He drew his knife back to kill him. All he had to do is release the muscles in his arm and Isaac was over with. Look what the Bible said in Genesis 22 and verse number 12. He said, it lay not thy hand upon the lad neither do anything unto him for now I know are you catching this now I know what's in your heart Abraham God didn't know what's in his heart what do you say he left your will up to you you decide your will watch this now we lean too much on this. Well, God knows my heart. That's our trouble right there. God does know our heart, but our will, our will is given to us. Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He paid all the price. But you can still live your whole life without Jesus being Lord of your life. You can live your life and go out on the other side, lost without God, and go into eternity without the Lord. Why? Because I have to make that decision with my will to make him Lord of my life. I have to make him Lord of my life. Now watch this. Understand me tonight. Understand. Let's go uh, uh Uh, Caleb go to 2nd Chronicles 2nd Chronicles chapter 32 and verse number 31 always like put a couple scripture on something when I feel people drawing back on me here when I said God is all knowing but he don't but he chooses not to know everything. I felt some of you tighten up like a yo-yo <laughs> right then and there. So I'm going to prove it to you by the word of God. Watch this now. Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 31. Before I read this verse, let me tell you what this story is all about. Isaiah had been in before Hezekiah. And he went into Hezekiah and he said to Hezekiah, set your house in order, King Hezekiah, you're gonna die and not live. And he turned around and walked out. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he bellered and bawled and he said, God, you know what all I've done. And God spoke to Isaiah and said, hey Isaiah, I'm going to add 15 years on his life. Well, Isaiah just got through telling the man that has the power to execute him, you're going to die. Now he's going to have to turn around and tell him, no, God's added 15 years onto your life. Boy, that's a dangerous thing right there. So Isaiah said, God, I got to have a sign here. I mean, you're going to have to move mountain transplant trees before I go back in there. So he's standing by a sundial and he said, God, I want you to move the sun bowed backwards. That means the earth either went backwards or the sun moved somehow or another. But that wasn't just in Jerusalem, that was worldwide. Everybody, the stargazers and the astronomers knew that there was a great phenomena had happened because God backed the sun dial up. And look what happened. They heard by way of grapevine that it was Hezekiah's God that done this. Now we're coming down to the scripture. Look at this and and start to say Hezekiah. Would you look up Hezekiah for me here? In Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse number 31, he said, how be it in the business of the ambassador, the prince of Babylon, who was sent to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. Look at this. God left him to try him that he might know all that's in his heart. Are you following me? Look at this. God said, I am go- I know, I know, but you gotta give it to me. I'm not gonna intrude on your will. I'm not gonna intrude on your thinking. You're gonna to have to put this in my hand. Now watch this. You understand he's a jealous God. So, what this scripture is saying, I have to give it to God. I have to give my need to God. Watch this now. In, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, and verse number 7. 1 Peter, Caleb, 1 Peter, chapter 5, and verse 7. He's following me real good. You understand? That? For an old boy gets up here and just jumps around on this. Look what 1 Peter 5, verse 7 said. Casting all your care upon him because why, he cares for you. Look at that word, casting all your care. It don't have S on it, it don't have a T-H, it is singular, casting all your care. What does that mean? All of it, not a piece of it, not a part of it, but all of it. He is a jealous God, he has to have it all. He is a jealous God. Listen to me, God wants you to give it to him everything that's about you, you've got to give it to him. We have burdens in our life, and let, let me get me some burdens here this afternoon to carry around with me for a moment of time. We've got all kinds of burdens in our life that we carry. Man, and they are big. They are big time burdens. We're just burdened down with them, and and, and we pray over them. We drink Malox over them. We we twist our hair up. We're a nervous wreck over them. We We come to church and come to an altar and lay them all down. On the altar and we pray and oh, we seek God. After we're through prayer, we just pick everything right back up and take it right back with us. Nothing has changed. Not one thing has changed. But he said cast all of your care upon him. Gotta give it all. Do you understand how the jealous God works here? It works for our benefit. When it comes down to my need, when it comes down to your need, I have to give him everything. Watch this now. That's the reason God wakes you up at two o'clock in the morning to pray for somebody if God's got it why don't he just take care of it and let me sleep because he don't have it he's a jealous God you got to give it to him that's how God set it up are you following me tonight because it's going to change your thinking you have to give it to God he wakes me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and say praying. This person needs to pray for what you said. Dean, I want you to give it to me. I want you to lay it in my hand. I want you to put it in my lap, boy. I'm waking you up because I know it's there. But I set a decree up in Genesis 1 and 26. I can't get involved until you let me get involved. I can't take care of it until you let me take care of it. And, sir, I carry these things around with me. I pray over them. I'm seeking God. I go to the altar. I cry. I talk to God. Then I go back home, drink some more Malak's. I'm just carrying this thing around with me. Lord, I know you can. I felt good last Sunday night when I prayed over my need that you have, but you never gave it to him. You're still carrying it around. He said, cast all, A-L-L, all your care upon him because he cares for you. Watch this now, the day I walk to an altar prayer and I give him all of my need. I lay down there and I put it in the hands of God. There is a peace that surpasseth all understanding, that sweeps over my life. I just know that I know that I know I have given it to God. I have put it in God's hand but as long as I just give him part of it. God you know I know you can do that. You made the stars and the sun and the moon but you can't handle all this. Man I'm telling you this need keeps me awake at night. Whoa boy I'm just about to go to the loony bin over this. I mean this has really got a hold to me. You don't say that but that's what we're pointing out to God. God I don't trust you with all of my need. It's a big deal you can't handle all this because it keeps me awake at night but the day sir that I give it all to him he is a jealous God he won't take part of my need He's got to have all of my need. And because he's a jealous God, that works for our benefit. Oh, but preacher, I'm believing God. I'm believing the Lord. Listen to me very carefully tonight. You can't put your faith on it until at first you give it to God. Yeah. As long as I'm carrying it around, there's no possible way I can put my faith on it. God, I'm believing you to take care of this need. I gave you some of it till the other night. There it is. There's one part out of five. Lord, I just don't believe you can handle all this, and I'm trying to make it light on you. Yeah. It's how God set it up. We have to give it to him because he is a jealous God. And once I lay it down, I give it to God, then I can back up and put my faith on it. My faith, I can put my faith on it, why? Because I have confidence in it that God has got it, wow. Now listen to me, I'm sure if I would pass this microphone around and say what is your definition of faith? What what, what would you say faith really is? We'd say trusting, believing, so on and so forth. But let me show you the Bible definition of a child of God's faith. Turn with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. Caleb, I'm going to Hebrews 11 starting in verse one. Now I'm gonna read several verses here to set a precedence, not up here trying to show off or anything. Just wanna read several verses of Hebrews chapter 11 to make a point tonight because I want you to learn something about faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, beginning. Now watch this. I'm gonna read this a little fast, Caleb, and then come back and we'll point out things, all right? He said in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by the elders obtained a good report, and through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, and the things which are seen was not made, but things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice, and came, by the which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts, and by he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, was not found, for God translated him. For before he Translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, move with fear, prepared at heart ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world becoming heir of righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob heirs with him of the same promise for he looked for a city which hath foundation whose builder and whose maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed was delivered a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised therefore sprang there even one him as good as dead so many as the stars in the sky multitudes sand by the seashore innumerable verse 13 these all died in faith not having received the promise but having seen it off. were persuaded of it and embraced it and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth for they that say such thing declare plainly that they seek a country and truly if they'd been mindful of that country and from where they came they might have had opportunity to have returned but now they desire a better country that is the heavenly wherefore God's not ashamed to be called their God why because he hath prepared for them a city by faith Abraham when he was tried offered up Isaac he that received the promise offered up his only begotten son whom it is said in Isaac shall thy seed be called counting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from where it's also he received him in the figure by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau Concerning things to come By faith Jacob blessed both sons of Joseph Worship leaning on the top of his staff By faith Joseph when he died Made mention departing of the children of Israel And gave commandments Concerning his bones By faith Moses when he was born Was hid three months of his parents Because they saw he was a proper child And they were not afraid of the king's commandments Let's stop right there in verse 23 Now let me show you something Go back to verse 4 Here is how they are in order. You got Abel, you got Enoch, you got Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, you got Joseph, you got Moses. All of these are in order in the faith hero chapter. But verse 4, it starts with Abel. Adam is not mentioned. He's not mentioned. What's the deal here? Well, preacher, was he not saved? Yeah. God performed the first sacrifice that was ever performed, took the covering off the sheep, covered Adam and Eve. But he's not mentioned. Why? Because he don't qualify as a faith walker. The answer is in verse one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Adam had seen God. So he don't qualify as a faith walker. So what is the meaning of faith? Believing in something you cannot see. You're just knowing your spirit that it's real. You're just knowing your heart God's gonna do it. You just feel it God's gonna take care of, but you don't see it. Believing in something that you do not see is your spiritual faith. Putting your faith in something that you can't see. What are you talking about? I put my faith in God. I can tell you for a fact, I've never seen God. You know why? Because I'm still here. I'm still here. Watch this. I know he lives. I know he's got my answer. So I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to put it on the altar and then I'm going to put my faith in God of whom I have never seen. For the answer I need. A preacher, that's hard to do. Watch this. Caleb, go to Matthew 7. Let's start in verse 9. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 9. Let me break this down where we can get on the same page tonight. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 9. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks fish, will he give him a serpent? Verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give what? Good things to who? To them that ask him. Wow. That means you. What's he saying? Verse 11, God call me evil. He said, "Dean, you're carnal. That's what it's meaning there. But if you know how to treat your daughters, Talisa and Tara, how much more does God know how to take care of them and you as well? Now, I'm a father that loves my kids. I love my wife." I love my kids and my granddaughter. Boy, they're price. You want to get me stirred up, you get on my kids. <laughs> you get on my wife. I'll I tell you, I'll cloud up rain all over you. I, I sure will. That, that gets me stirred up more than anything else in this world. Why? Because they're mine. But God said, Dean, if you know how to treat them, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven know how to give good gifts to you? Let me just show you what this means I don't have sons, I've got daughters, but it's the same difference here. If I my, my oldest daughter tells me, she said to me, "Daddy, I want some bread, fresh bread off of the bakery line down there." And I said, "Darling, it's 11 o'clock at night." Well, daddy, if you go to that side door, knock on that side door and ask them for a loaf of bread, they'll give you one unsliced right off of the line and it's hot. And I look at her mama and I say, I'm sick of that kid asking for bread at 11 o'clock at night. I'm gonna give her a rock to chew on. I bet I break her from that. You say, no, that ain't gonna happen. No, that ain't gonna happen. I get in my truck, drive down there, knock on the bakery door and say, can I buy a loaf of bread? I I don't care if it's $15 a loaf. I want it. Why? Because Talisa wants a loaf of bread at night at 11 o'clock at night right straight off the line. Why? Because I'm a good dad. I know how to take care of my kids. Tara comes to me and she says, Dad, let's go eat fish. Let's go down there and eat fish. Well, it's $19 a plate and I know I'm going to have to buy when we go down there and it's just not going to be me and her. The whole clan's going to go. It's going to cost me over $200 for fish for them to eat and she won't eat $3 Three dollars worth of fish. He won't eat three dollars worth of fish. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm good for the rest. <laughs> I'm good for the rest of it. But I look at her mama and I say, "I'm sick of that kid. They don't have a clue how much fish it uh, costs." But I'm going to put her snake in the box. And when she opens it up, if she lives through it, she'll never ask for fish again. You say, preacher, that is the stupidest thing I've ever come up with. Well, that's what God is saying. If you- you know how to treat your kids. How much more shall your father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So I've give him my need. Now I go to God in prayer with confidence and faith. God's got my answer. He knows how to take care of my situation. So, Lord, I'm calling this answer into existence. I'm believing it to happen. Lord I just know you're big enough you can handle it, you can take care of it, I have put my faith and my confidence in you I don't see it, I just know you got it, <laughs> I know that you live in heaven and you're able to take care of my need you can supply all of my need according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus are you following me tonight sometimes the enemy of our soul will whisper things in our ears that will cause us to miss out on what God has designated for us. God has a plan for me. God's got a plan for you, but it's my business to seek the plan of God and invoke the plan of God in my life. Same thing applies to you. So i got to give it to God because that's the way God laid this thing out. I got to give it to him. And then after I give it to him, I'm going to have to believe God for it. That's not hard to do, church. You have the ability to do that. Believe in something that you cannot see. And when you do, oh, preacher, I don't know if I can lay it down there or not and not worry about it. Got nothing to do with not worrying about it. It's just giving it to God. Giving it to God. Well, preacher, you know, I don't don't know, I think worry would be this and that. No, no, no. Just give it to God. Yeah. Sometimes I just look for things to worry about. When I run out of something to worry about, I look for something else to worry about it. But when I give that need to God. Cast all my care upon him. He's a jealous God. He's got to have it all. And that works for my benefit. That works for your benefit. Some of you sitting here right now and the Holy Ghost is pointing out to you. You have prayed over your need and prayed over your need, but you've never really given it to God. Just give him a part of it. But you've never really given it to God. But when you give it to God, they're just a peace. That's how you know that you've given it to God is when the peace of God that surpasseth all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Just Giving it to God. Oh, preacher, what do you mean? Just giving it to God. That's what it means. Turn it over to the Lord. I pastored a church in Pine Bluff. We run at that time between four and five hundred. There was a family in the church, Brother Roy and Sister Lois Baxter. But very dear to us. I preached out a lot. I preached out a lot all my ministry, even when I pastored. And uh, they, Peggy and the girls would stay with them. They were just kind of like grandparents, just precious people. One Sunday morning, I'm preaching. House was full. Walking down the aisle, Brother Baxter set fourth seat from the front on the end. I never knew if I was blessing him or hurting him. He cried all the time. So I couldn't tell if he's hurt or he's blessed. But I was preaching and I looked right down at him, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, I'm calling Roy home this week. I like to have lost my anointing. After church was over with, I told Peggy, I said, Peggy, you better get a grip. I said, God's going to call Roy Baxter home this week. She said, don't you talk like that. I said, no, no, I'm not talking like that. I'm telling you, that's gonna happen. Well, Monday, they loaded their camper down from Pine Bluff to Hot Springs, Arkansas, they went on a camping trip. Wednesday, we got a call. Brother Roy had, had a heart attack. They're very dear people to us. I got a fill-in speaker. We drove to Hot Springs and spent the night there at Hot Springs to be in the hospital with Sister Baxter. Just touch and go all night long. Thursday, he made it. Friday, he made it. Saturday morning, I thought, well, God, if you're going to call him home. This is the last day of the week. Early that morning, Sister Baxter said to me, She said, Brother Dean, I, I won't go see Roy again. Will you go back with me? He's in intensive care. We went back there, and he's got tubes, and, but he was coherent. We talked. Her on one side, me on the other, and he'd shake his head, and he was squeezing her hand. And I looked at him, and I said, Roy, are you tired of living like this? He shook his head, yes. I said, are you ready to go? I said, I'm going to step out of this room, let you and your wife say your goodbyes, and then we're going to put you in the hand of God. Is that all right with you? And he shook his head, yes. Yes. I walked outside the intensive care door and I'm standing there and I can see her leaning over him, weeping and crying, kissing on him and him, that hand that was loose, he'd pat her on the back and he loved on her. She came and got me. I walked to his bedside and I said, Roy, we're fixing to put you in the hands of God. Get ready to go. We prayed this prayer. I said, God, we're giving him to you now. We're releasing everything we have and we're giving it all to God. I just prayed that prayer. I said my goodbye to him and she said to him, honey, I'll see you. He shook his head. We walked out. She laid her head on my shoulder. We went the long hallway around to the waiting room. We got to the waiting room. There's a doctor standing with his paper hat in his hand. He said, Miss Baxter, Mr. Baxter just expired. Went home to be with Jesus. What are you saying? When you give it to God and you know that you know that you know you've given it to God, there is a peace. Sister Baxter lifted both hands there in, the live, in that waiting room and just went to worshiping God. About a year later, she followed him. What are you saying? I'm saying when you give it to God, there is a peace there is a peace. I'm going to help somebody right here tonight. Listen to me. If you've got a loved one that is struggling for life, you don't know how to pray. Here's how I pray. I pray for their deliverance. When you pray for their deliverance, it takes a responsibility off you and puts it in the hands of God. God, if you heal them, that's good. But if you take them, that's good as well. I'm putting them in the hands of God, asking for your deliverance in their behalf. Some of you here tonight are carrying heavy loads that you have never given to God. That's what I felt this evening walking about this church praying. Brandon, will you help me tonight? Music. Tonight, I believe with everything I have that there'll be people walk out of this building tonight different than what you came in this building. You're gonna be different, why? Because you're about ready to give some things to God that you have been carrying for a while. It's how God laid it out, he's a jealous God. You don't want just a piece of it. You've been wrestling with things in your life. God's laid a quest in your life and you're wrestling with it. Give it to God. Give it to God. I feel like telling this little story. God called me to preach when I was just a kid. But being raised in a preacher's home, the last thing I wanted to do on this planet Earth is preach. Last thing. I stuttered. I was bashful. I was one of the most bashful kids. When we went to town, when we went to town, I didn't even like to go to town. If I seen somebody coming down the sidewalk that knew me, I'd cross the street key from meeting them because I had a lot of dudes standing there and stutter and turn red in the face. Then when they'd walk by, I'd think, man, what a fool I made that myself. But when I was 14 years old, God began to really deal with me about preaching. I started having dreams. I could see myself standing on the banks of hell turning the multitudes away. Wake up and I'd just be sweating and saying, oh God, please help me. We had just moved from Portia, from Portia, or from East Prairie, Missouri, to Portia, Arkansas. I didn't know anybody, and nobody knew me. October the fifth, nineteen sixty-nine, on Sunday afternoon, I went to the church, and I prayed this prayer: "said God, I don't know what you want." You could pick anybody to do a better job with preaching your gospel than me. But I can't handle these dreams and this icky feeling I'm feeling on the inside. I said, this is Sunday evening. If you'll give me a place to go by this coming Wednesday night, I'll preach your word as long as there's a door open and I have breath to do it. I'm going to be as honest with you as I can be. I thought I had God over barrel. I didn't tell a soul because I knew if I told Dad, I'd be in the pulpit Wednesday night. This is going to be a God thing. If he don't do it Wednesday night, I don't know it. We went to a youth rally on Monday night at Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. Never been in that church in my life. An old time preacher that walked with God by the name of Ival Hutzel, had a voice like a bear. I'm so bashful and backward, I had a little old coat on, I'm sitting in the third seat from the front on this side of the building, wouldn't shake hands with anybody. Just didn't want to be seen at all. And I heard him say at the back door, is there a kid in here by the name of Dean Caldwell? I thought, what do I do, to that old man? Use both names—that's almost death. My dad was back there, and he said, "That's my boy, sitting on the third seat from the front with that checkered coat on." I'd never met this man in my life. He came as straight to me as he could come, and he looked at me and said, "Are you Dean Caldwell?" And I said, "Yes, sir, I am." He said, you made a covenant with God yesterday that if God would give you a place to go by this coming Wednesday night, you'd preach as long as there's a door open and you had breath to do it. I said, yes, sir, I did. He said, I know you did. I saw you in my spirit. I pastor men in Arkansas. I announced last night you'll be there Wednesday night. I looked at him and I said, preacher, I've never preached in my life. He said, son, don't start lying now. You've done tried it twice. Nobody knew that. I went to church, locked all the doors, took a little scripture and got up there and tried to preach a little bit, two different times. Boy, God nailed me to the barn that night. but I sold out. That night, I sold out. I preached at in, Arkansas, October the 8th, 1969. I was in the ninth grade. That year, I preached 109 times. Second year, I preached 236, but I got a car then. I hitchhiked, I've rode buses, done a little bit of all. Those songs said I wouldn't take nothing from a journey now, but that night, I gave it all to God. That Sunday afternoon, I gave it all to God. And God gave back to me. I'm going to do this tonight. I don't know how to do it any other way. But here's my altar service. You've been carrying some things in your life and you've prayed about it and prayed about it, but you have never given it to God. I want you to get up and come and just stand here. You've prayed about it, but you know you've never given it to God. But tonight you're going to come and just give it to God. Just come and stand here tonight. Casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. He's a jealous God. He has to have it all. Not a piece of it, not a part of it, but He's got to have it all. Casting all, A-L-L, all your care upon Him for He cares for you. I know this is a strange altar service but this is what I just felt all afternoon God wanted to do tonight. He just wanting to be Lord to you. Just wanting to be Lord to you in a powerful, powerful way. You've carried it for a while, but tonight you're going to give it with to him because you can't put faith on it until you first give it to him when you give it to him now then you can believe in something you cannot see that's what faith is that's what faith is